Welcome to Story Plus Audience, a podcast about creating stories that connect deeply with audiences. And using that connection to build a long-term career as a storyteller. I'm Jill Golick. I'm a screenwriter and digital creator. I'm Annalise Larson. I work in digital marketing and strategy for media. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to build a career with the Story Plus audience approach. I wanted to tell you about something that happened this week. I've been talking to my daughter a lot about her YouTube addiction, and she was telling me that a lot of her favorite YouTubers are having trouble with the YouTube platform itself. Apparently, there are a lot of issues around demonetization, notification of new videos not going out, problems with the recommendation engine, a general lack of transparency and communications on the part of the platform. And there are a couple of things that I find interesting about this. I think in my experience in my career, it's not been a good idea to talk about my partner's flaws. It's kind of surprising to me to hear that YouTubers are sharing the details of their experience with YouTube with their audience. But on the other hand, I find it also incredible that the audience is really deeply on the side of the YouTubers and are saying things like, if they leave YouTube, we'll go to another platform with them. We better start supporting them on some of these crowdfunding sites because you know their money from YouTube isn't coming to them clearly. Yeah. It's interesting because it's been a struggle for the last few years. And we've talked a bit about the model in television where it was all about providing a context for ads. And now we're seeing the same thing in YouTube. All of this demonetization and everything has really been fueled primarily by advertisers being unhappy with where their ads are running. So in some ways, it's echoing that sort of older model again, where the emphasis is on pleasing the advertisers more than on their creative partners. But they seem to be striking some kind of balance. They hired some guy who was a YouTuber in his past who's now going to be the liaison between the platform and them. A few years ago, when anyone was launching their micro patronage campaigns, people really took it like, oh, you're selling out. But I think because there's been so much transparency, because the connection between these content creators and their audience is so deep that they witnessed the struggles and they've realized that, oh yeah, it actually takes money <laughs> and there is value in this act of creation. It is really interesting. I think it's amazing how open the YouTubers are with their audience, just sharing so much with the audience about not just the kind of creative content they make, but about their business model and, and how they make a living and so on. And because they are so open and because they aren't so perfect, that the audience loves them more for it. You know, we also talked about that authenticity. Some people are vlogging their lives. There's a lot of perhaps oversharing in terms of what they are doing, but it's allowed them to to really be emotionally connected to their audience, which allows them to leverage all kinds of direct revenue models, whether it's these micro patrons that are basically subscribing to the content creators themselves, to selling merchandise, to doing live events. All of that stuff is actually directly leveraging the power of their connection in a very financially beneficial way for the content creator. 
And we used to say, you know, the internet wants to be free and, you know, nobody wants to pay for content. We thought that these ideas were true, but I think over the last few years, what we've seen as audience members is that the content is a lot better if we pay for it. I appreciate the way the YouTubers are raising the audience to expect to pay and to understand the business model really well. It's exciting to me that there has been this shift and that when they do have disposable income, where is it that they want to place it is on these people that they love. They feel that they have this personal connection with them and that they're willing to pony up whatever income they do have to invest in creative work. So I guess that kind of leads us back into what we're doing here, which is how do we continue to build those relationships with audiences? I think our focus today is really on on building a relationship that will sustain a career. Yeah. And I think, you know, to understand that, yes, there is this direct to your audience potential for revenue, but also if you can demonstrate that you do have this engaged following, there's value in that, that it becomes part of the package that they know that you have this beloved group of fans that are following you and following your work becomes really valuable for the writers, for the storytelling team to be able to demonstrate that. That's why we want stars in our shows. It's not necessarily because of their acting ability, although that's a wonderful thing to bring to a project, but it's because they bring a following with them. In this modern world, a writer or a creator can also have a following that they bring with them that gives them that kind of star power. So I know that you've sort of had an ebb and flow <laughs> with your relationship with these online platforms. Can we talk a little bit about that, where you're sort of at growing an audience around what you do online? Well, you know, I, I was a very early adopter. I joined Facebook just months after it became available to people who were not in universities. I had accounts on every social media platform that ever went out of business. So where is your MySpace account? <laughs> I have a MySpace. I have, I have many MySpace accounts. In fact, it's not just me. It's also I had characters on MySpace. But I've kind of lost my purpose on social media. Mm. I'm not quite sure why I'm there anymore. I was particularly busy in the early days of the web series movement when I was promoting my own web series. We did a lot of creative stuff. But now for the last few years, I really, I'm not really sure what my goal is. So what would tempt you back? What would, what would make it worth your while? You know, when we were doing the first season of Ruby Sky PI, my web series, uh, Karen Walton, the great Karen Walton, a uh, screenwriter here in Toronto, was the executive producer. And every week she would send me my social media profile for the week. She kind of wrote me a character sketch at the beginning of the process. And every week she gave me discussion topics and themes. And it was just so brilliant because I knew what my purpose was. Right. The first thing you need to do is to have a bigger picture view of your work and an understanding that the audience that you develop and grow is going to help more things happen for you. It sounds like what Karen did for you was basically provide some kind of narrative and content strategy. You know, as you sort of approach this and, you know, don't all want to be YouTubers who vlog every nuanced detail of their lives, their pets' lives, <laughs> their family's lives. Not of us necessarily want to be that exposed. You know, you don't have to share everything. And I think that's really important to understand. I think 
it would be a great idea to make yourself a character sketch that's almost a limited version of who you really are that says who I'm going to be on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Should we be thinking about limiting the number of platforms? Oh, absolutely. Like I would rather people did one or two platforms really, really well than do a whole bunch very poorly (laughs) because it becomes that you're stretching yourself too thin. And for me, not surprisingly, it always boils down to what are the platforms your potential audiences are using? It may be slightly out of your comfort zone, but it will make the connection between you and those people who you want to connect with your work much easier. Once you sort of have adopted and established yourself on a platform, it becomes much more difficult to move out of it. We need to think and understand that that is true for our audiences as well. So really understanding what platforms they are using and trying to find a place for yourself on that that may help actually shape this persona or character that you are going to be online because there'll be best practices of those platforms. But if I'm thinking about what you're saying, like on Facebook, where I'm connected to so many people in my family and so on, it it isn't a limited point of view of me. So I'd rather not use that space for building a fan base. And then again, you know, I kind of find Instagram also a little bit intimate or the way I've been using it, it's it's a more intimate space. I'm very limited on who I follow. And as a writer, I guess Twitter is words. So it (laughs) seems to me that that might be the best place for me to kind of rebuild my, my interactivity as pertains to interacting with an audience. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, Twitter has a lot of challenges because they, like YouTube, have been trying to find that balance between, you know, where's the revenue model for them. But it also has been a place that has had problematic conversations. Interestingly, you know, kind of a lot of what I'm writing about right now has to do with that kind of stuff. My work has really been focused around technology and interaction on the internet and things like that. So maybe being in the heart of that controversy is the right place to be. You have to sort of figure out, well, what is the character of you on that platform? And what is the story you're telling? Much like Karen provided that content strategy for you, you know, to have those parameters around it that are going to resonate with the stories you want to tell, with the audiences that you want to attract and engage with. All becomes very strategic and hopefully allows you to make choices and decisions that are going to help you get things made, get your stories out into the world. So I think this is kind of when we open up the writer's toolbox and find that there are some really interesting tools here to use in developing your online character. Because of course, the first thing you want to do is write a character sketch. There are so many elements to creating a character. In this case, when we're talking about making a character out of ourselves, we've already got a name. When I look at what people write in their character sketches, I find that there tend to be three elements to it. So there's backstory, there's the arc through the story, like what's going to happen to this character during this particular story. And then they're often what I call the words of character. So joyful, bubbly, reticent, the words that describe what this person is like. And I think in this context, we might want to look at our own backstory and say, what are the elements 
of my past that I'm going to bring out as I build my audience. We certainly want to choose some words of character that will describe how we're interacting. You would connect those things back to the audience we're trying to reach. Is that yeah. correct? Oh, absolutely. Rather than having your arc through this story of your life with audiences, maybe instead think about some of the themes that are in your work and how they might relate to an audience and include those as kind of topics you'll be talking about over the next little while. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if we take your three elements... So the first one is the backstory, your background, your personal, your professional, your creative background, obviously give you credibility because of what you've done to date. And it gives people a sense of where you've been so that they understand where you're going. In terms of that character arc, if we think about it in terms of those through lines of themes and topics that appeal to you, like right now you're dealing with stuff about technology. That's what's been exciting to you. It can help inform that content strategy that Karen helped you come up with for that very specific project. But now you're going to apply it to yourself and really thinking about what is the space that I want to occupy? How do I want to be seen and perceived? And, you know, as a writer, you obviously appreciate the power of language. So whether those, what do you call them? Words of description, words of character? Words of character. Yeah. A lot of adjectives and adverbs. Some of those you need to note to write down what is my voice online. So those kind of words are going to inform that. But also they may be explicit. The language that you use to describe yourself, because that's something that we need to do online when we established a profile, right? So your Twitter bio, you have 160 characters. I think that that is a great place to really think strategically about what language am I going to include in those 160 characters that are going to help me define my space. I think we have to always remember that the best characters, when we're telling a story, the best characters are the ones who have flaws. In fact, humans connect best to characters that are flawed. I even think like we were talking last week about Claire Savitz from Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, whose audience loves her. And Part of what they love is that she's not a perfect chef. Everything doesn't come out great the first time. We watch her suffer through figuring it out. Remember that you don't have to be perfect, but in fact, it's even better if you have some flaws. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's being human, right? (laughs) We are flawed creatures. And if it's too polished and perfect, it becomes much harder for people to identify. And sure, you can craft this persona, this character at this moment in time by, you know, thinking all these thoughts and figuring out these creative challenges, but also understand for yourself that you can evolve and change. The great thing about this space is it's iterative and and the stories that you want to tell are going to change. Going back to what we know about drama and character is it's much better if your character changes and grows and develops. Those stories are much better than the ones where everybody stays exactly where they were and doesn't have any problems and is already perfect. So we're talking about using the elements of good drama to craft your online persona. There's one other element that, you know, I I think about when I'm in those first stages of character creation, and that is what does my character want? What's driving them? What are they going after in the world? And I was just trying to figure out how that plays in this context. So I've been kind of looking at people's online activity, and I think there are some people who are driven to confess. 
like the blog ass, that Twitter account. She's always telling you about her bad motherhood and so on. There are other people who are, who are really trying to connect with other people and understand them people who are seeking justice and equity. And I think those kinds of needs are better than people who are just trying to promote their product or make themselves seem more important. It's also about adding value. Like, how are you adding value? Why am I going to follow you? Are you there to inform me? Are you there to entertain me? Are you there to distract me? You know, like there's many ways that we can add value, even like amplifying others, lifting them up, you know, amplifying them through our own channels. That's another way to add value. We're kind of starting off by we're looking for our audience, we're finding them where they gather, and we're not just going to burst into the scene and say, oh, I'm making a show that you're going to love, but instead we're going to join that community first, sort of listening to what people are talking about, beginning to amplify other people's voices, sharing value in the sense that we're bringing in links or content from other places that we think this audience will enjoy, and then we begin to introduce our own the rule is give before you ask and i would say it's actually give and give and give and give and when you think you can't give anymore give some more (laughs) and then ask well isn't it better to be a member a part of a community and then people will say oh this is coming out of my community Yeah, because again, it will go back to that credibility, that authenticity, that you belong. You're one of their own. We all, hopefully, hopefully we all want to lift up one of our own and and see them be successful. Right. Well, I mean, I'm Jewish. You know, one of the first things you know when you're a Jew is you walk around saying, is that person Jewish? Are they Jewish? (laughs) Is that person Jewish? You go to movies or you read books or whatever because they're Jewish. And there are all these things the Jews share with each other. And I'm sure there are a lot of tight little communities like that, where there's a lot of internal sharing and you want to, you feel like participating in it because it's your communities. That's the thing we're after here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that it will be also enjoyable for you. Hopefully people aren't going to do this just because Jill and Annalise told them to. Hopefully you get value back, just not a drain, but it also can be energizing because there will be this give and take. So we we start off, we create our characters, we begin to enter communities first by listening, then by giving, and eventually, while we're still doing that, tell them about the work we're doing and then and hopefully they'll even ask because they want to, who's this person? And they'll want to learn more about you. And they'll say, well, what are you doing? You know, that you won't even have to go there and sort of be promotional, but right. that you can have the benefit of being such a valued member that they want to learn more about you. Great. The links are in your bio. That's right. And then we begin to reap the benefits of having the audience. We can say we've got 250,000 followers, or we can run a successful fundraising campaign, or we launch a show and our fan bases are the first people who are enjoying it and then sharing it. Yeah. And I think you don't even need 250,000 followers or fans. People are getting more savvy that it is about quality more than quantity. So you could have 5,000 or 2,000 people who were following you, but there were exchanges going back and forth all the time. That's huge. 
Instagram has this false sense of engagement because it's so easy to flip through that feed in your phone and double tap, double tap, double tap. So I don't let just look for things that are getting liked a lot. I want to see that they've gone to your post and then they have to you know, they've actually had to type something in to respond or to make a comment. So that is a much higher value piece of engagement than those parts that you get. Is that true on all the platforms? Um, Instagram is particularly problematic because of that, because it's just so easy. It's become a somewhat superficial platform, I think, because it doesn't require that deeper engagement. Like it's almost the zeitgeist of Instagram that you just like everything. Whereas if it's on Facebook or Twitter and there's content there, there's a lot of links there, you take a little bit more time. Yeah. And I think it's also a lot about two-way conversation. Facebook has a huge culture of groups where like-minded people who love certain things have found each other and they froth about them in those groups. Twitter, it's the live Twitter chats and stuff are probably my favorite part of Twitter because you're able to get in these really lively conversations and reach and engage people out of those that even follow you because you have this shared interest. It's that Wednesday web series chat that what came out of that was that I met a bunch of Toronto-based creators in that chat many years ago. And during the Wednesday chat, we actually uh, created the Facebook group that is now, I think it's called the Toronto Digital creators group or something like that but it's it's got 6,000 people in it and it's very active well and there's I mean we're talking to a lot of writers there's script chat on Twitter every Sunday evening. I love those kinds of conversations and be able to be a part of them. Well, that's very interesting. I'm going to go check out script chat this week <laughs> in that case. In my new persona. <laughs> so um, let's, let's talk about that. Let's give people some more homework. Our past two sets of homework have been a lot about audience, but this one is all about you, the writer. I would love for you to give them the first stab at the homework here. The homework this week is to write yourself a character sketch of who you are or who you will be online as you're communicating with your audience. So that character sketch should include some of the following elements. Start with your flaw. What are the themes you're going to talk about or your future? What parts of your backstory are you going to share and say are relevant to your audience? You don't have to share them right away or anything, but just know what are you keeping in the closet you're not going to talk about in this context? And what are the things you do want to share that will add to your authenticity? in dealing with audiences. And then let's throw in some words of character. Are you unsure? Are you super happy? What is the personality that you want to exude that will help you connect with the audiences that you want to have for the work you create? So what would a character sketch look like? Like how long is it? So really (laughs) a character sketch in general depends on the space you're allotting to it. Uh You can do a character sketch for a pitch document in a paragraph. In a script, it might just be two words in parenthesis after the first mention of the character in the script. In a Bible or some other document, you'd go quite longer. So I'd say if you devote a page to this, that would be some great background thinking. And if you're one of those people who subscribes to The Artist's Way and writes your three pages or your seven minutes every morning, this might be a really great topic to work on when you first get your pen moving 
something in the morning, just some kind of stream of consciousness writing about how you want to present yourself to audiences. And then you can even take a second stab at making it a little bit more of a formal document that you can have next to you on your desk when you're on Twitter or on Facebook. Okay. So here's how I would like to take that wonderful creative exercise and make it incredibly practical. Jill, I'm going to give this to you. So for you, because we've sort of surfaced that Twitter seems to make the most sense in terms of this professional performance, I want you to think about that space. I love that you said that. So we have our page, creative stream of consciousness, maybe a few drafts of that. Then you're going to go to Twitter and you're going to look at those 160 characters for your bio and really figure out what you can pull from that character sketch and put in those 160 characters. And if you want to take it another step forward, because what we're really talking about is what is your brand as a writer? What is your brand as a storyteller? The best framework I have found for sort of a personal slash professional branding exercise is LinkedIn. It's actually where I have some of my best professional conversations myself these days. But what I love is because it walks you through And there's all these sections that you have to fill in. You have to find language to fill in these sections. And what's great is it is an iterative space. Like I will often say to people, okay, so you're going to the Frontiers Market. So think about how you want to position yourself, figure out what language it is, because people are always going to look you up on LinkedIn before they meet you. It's just what we do. Use that character sketch as a jumping off point to do something very applied, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Pinterest, really think about the limited space in this case, this 160 characters or whatever it is, and put that character sketch to work in that context. And then if you really want to go to town, go to your LinkedIn page. My LinkedIn could really use an updating, I must admit. I'm just checking my Twitter bio now because I haven't looked at it in quite a while. And I noticed that it's only hashtag. Shall I read them to you? Sure. Because we're going to see if they're change from okay. today. Okay. Okay. So it's hashtag screenwriting, hashtag transmedia, a word nobody uses anymore. Hashtag web series, hashtag Iyengar yoga, because I'm not any yoga, just Iyengar yoga for me. Hashtag Canadian TV, hashtag women. So I think that like kind of covers my air, a lot of my areas of interest, but maybe there's a way to update it. When I take the time to work on a public facing bio, that it will take a lot of work and agonizing <laughs> and rewriting and polishing, especially 160 characters. The, the great Carol Kirshner, who's the writing coach and uh, she runs the WGA showrunner program, she talks about a personal log line. That's a good way to think of those 160 characters too. So it really is a branding exercise. Who am I? What are my strengths? And how do I want to be perceived by an audience? Defining the space you want to occupy. It's a good exercise. Okay, I have to do my homework now. Can we sign off? Yeah, I think so. I think she almost had a seizure when I (laughs) had to do this. (laughs) Annalise can see the apprehension on my face, but I'm going to try. I'll work on my bio and we'll all be able to uh, check Twitter to see. (laughs) I believe in you, Jill. If you're a listener and you've checked out my Twitter bio, please let me know what you think. Reach us at storyplus 
podcastaudience at gmail.com. Oh, and also please follow, subscribe, rate, and share this uh, podcast wherever you listen to and find it. And you can uh, find out more about Annalise at her website, varia.ca, V-E-R-I-A.ca. And you can check Jill out at jillgollick.com, Gollick with one L, J-I-L-L-G-O-L-I-C-K.com. Another site that will need some upgrading after <laughs> I have figured out my online persona. All right, I'm Jill Gollick. Thanks for listening. And I'm Annalise Larson. Now go listen to your audience.